Welcome to Houston Sports Talk with your host, Robert Land. Thanks for listening to the best Houston sports podcast. Robert, along with co-host R.G. Seal, welcome to the Rockets-Warriors Game 3 postgame show. The Rockets take care of home court, but it was a dogfight, 126-121 in overtime. The Rockets hand Golden State the first loss of this series. R.G., we finally saw a bunch of Rockets players do what we know they're capable of. Finally. Finally, and it was to, good to see that uh, James Harden, uh, much maligned probably as down the stretch run, being able to come through in the postseason. And it, especially he had some missed baskets towards the end of regulation and even in the overtime period, but it hits that big three-pointer and then comes back and uh, gets that one that, of course, the Warriors are protesting. The, it was uh, he was it was an offensive foul on James Harden, but still to get that that crucial five point lead and so was able to close that out. And the Rockets were able to get a game and go down in the series only now two to one. So sets everything up for a pivotal game four. the Rockets out rebounded Golden State by 20 RG despite their lack of size outside of Capella and Nene. They can block out. They're capable of it. They can scrap for rebounds, and they proved it. They finally did it. And well, Mike D'Antoni even said after the game, uh, like PJ Tucker, this is you know kind of the MVP. Jeff Van Gundy called him the competitor on television, just all out competitor. We we know that about them. We know about his shoe collection too, but especially we know that uh, PJ Tucker is one of those tenacious rebounders, uh, defenders, and, and, you know, Clint Capella chipped in with the rebounding. And there were a bunch of guys that came through, like you said, the Rockets have been deficient on the boards. They were finally able to get out there and, and get some key rebounds, get that rebounding advantage, and, and that helped them to a victory in Game 3. Happy birthday to P.J. Tucker. We're recording this on Sunday, and Cinco de Mayo is P.J. Tucker's birthday. Absolutely one of the all-time great deals, great moves that Daryl Morey has made over the years. You know, he's making less than the mid-level, I think, in the next couple of seasons, uh, which is remarkable for somebody that is valuable as he is defensively. Uh, what he's been able to do against Kevin Durant, despite the fact that Kevin Durant still gets his points and is, is impossible to stop. And I'm going to throw this this number out at you, RG, because, you know, Durant, 46 points, 50 minutes in this game, in the series— He's got 36 points, four boards, and four assists per game. But Harden, averaging 35 points, seven rebounds, and five assists. The shooting percentage, not drastically different, despite how it may appear at times. Durant's at 43.6%. Harden's at 40%. But you watch the broadcast, RG, and it, and it's almost like, well, James Harden, he's kind of struggling, and whatever the however the Rockets are doing this, it's not working. And me, meantime, Kevin Durant, man, this guy's the best player in the NBA, and, and yeah, he's making tough shots, and no, it's no down, you know, downgrade to Durant. But you know, Kevin James Harden's right there with him. Well, it's just Kevin Durant's to me the best player in the NBA right now. Like you had s said earlier, I mean, just with with his size being what six ten, six eleven, hey, being able to shoot the three pointer, uh, you know, has the moves to the basket, is also an underrated defender. Let's not forget about that as well. I mean, he's just he's unguardable. And and as as great a job as PJ Tucker's doing, it's like a quiet forty six points right there. He's he's like he lurks up on you and you don't even know it. It's kind of like Arya Stark from Game of Thrones, right? So I mean, he's just somebody that uh, is to me just a phenomenal player. And and of course we know that the beer, we know that James Harden, MVP candidate, whether it's a, a Harden or Giannis, it's just that what Kevin Durant's been doing this postseason. I mean, he's been 
so consistent for Golden State, pouring in the points uh, game after game. He's been their best offensive weapon. I mean, he's the main reason, you know, that they advance past the Clippers and, you know, have the 2-0 uh, lead on the Rockets. You know, of course, they get contributions from guys like Andre Guadala, uh, you know, Clay Thompson, of course, Steph Curry. But, uh, you know, it's Kevin Durant. And, and that's why whatever he decides to do this offseason is going to be such a, a, a big move for the NBA if he decides to leave Golden State. But getting back to James Harden, yes, I mean, he also had an excellent night. I mean, let's not forget, you know, that he was able to put up 41 points. And, you know, as much as is required of James Harden in distributing the ball and, and, and getting it to other players in the Rockets offense. And he having he had the burden to score in the regular season. It's the same still in the postseason. So I think that's why there's always this continued focus on James Harden uh, because he, so much is required of him with the Rockets. And, um, you know, Durant has a two-time MVP and Steph Curry alongside him. He has another all-star in Clay Thompson. Even though CP3 is there, he's, he doesn't seem to be the same CP3 that we've seen in seasons past. He can show spurts of it. He can show spurts of, spurts of that superstar player. But there have been times this season where you wonder, is is you know has he finally passed that threshold where he's on the downside of his career? You know, you look at the game and you watch these games and the Rockets give up a lot of layups, a lot of dunks. There's times where you go, oh, where's the defense? But it, it's so hard to guard this Golden State team. I mean, it, it doesn't seem like on the broadcast or the national media, there isn't the credit given to, hey, Golden State's got three of the best shooters, maybe the three best shooters that ever lived, and, and Clay Thompson and Steph Curry and Kevin Durant. So, yeah, the layups, the dunks, sometimes you're going to give that up because you're overplaying them on the outside because if they do – start rolling from outside. They, they start racking up threes instead of twos. The Rockets, no math. And, and, and that's not going to, that's not going to get them the W's. And, and I don't know about you, RG. I just sometimes listen to people and it's like, you know, you know, the Rockets get criticized for this and that, that they don't have four all-stars. They don't have two MVPs. They got one, you know, they've got two, you know, all-stars, but Chris Paul's not an all-star level player anymore. Let's not forget that. Well, but in the past, he was an MVP caliber superstar player. Yeah, so that, that, that's, that's history, though. That's not this series. That's not, right. you know. Currently, currently, Steph Curry is still an MVP caliber, even though he's not having maybe some of the games that he's had in the past when he, you know, went on the Golden State won championships. I mean, he's still in his prime right now. And you can say that Chris Paul is still currently in his prime. I mean, some might, they're, they're, but there's an argument there. That has he seen as is he is he kind of on the downside of his career right yeah, now? Yeah, no, there's no way you can say Chris Paul's in his prime. It's it's not the same Chris well, Paul. I mean, they extended to the latter part of his, you know, where he can still be a very good basketball player. But you're right. I mean, as far as compared to Golden State, where you have Clay Thompson in his prime, and even yeah, of course Kevin Durant again, like probably the best player in the NBA right now. And then you have like, uh, yeah, on the Rockets, it's really James Harden. I mean, as good a player as Eric Gordon is and he's clutch and everything. He, Eric Gordon is to me, I don't know if it's kind of is to you, but he's he's like a Robert Ory. He's like a Rick Fox. He's like a guy that this guy's clutch. You just want him on your roster. He's, uh, you know, he could potentially be an all-star player, you know, and he's been that scorer on other teams and he definitely has the capabilities, but he's more of just, he fits a role on the Rockets and he's just done exceptionally. He hits clutch shots. Yeah. He's more than a role player. I mean, this is uh you know, we kind of buried the lead. Eric Gordon, 
may have been, probably was the MVP in some ways in, in this game for the Rockets because he scores 30, he's 7 of 14 for 3. His defense continues to be excellent. You know, I said this in, in, in the prior podcast. I've said this on Twitter. I stick by it. He's the second best player on the Rockets now. He's moved ahead of Chris Paul for sure this year and especially in the playoffs when you look what Eric Gordon could do. Number one on the defensive end that Chris Paul can't do because of his size. Number number two on the offensive end because Eric Gordon's shooting has been extraordinary in this playoffs. And when he drives to the basket, unlike Chris Paul, it's much easier for him to finish because of his size and because of those broad shoulders and chest and everything like that. He bumps guys off. He can get physical with them, and he finishes around the basket. He's a Steph Curry like 45%, 45% from three in the playoffs, RG, 47% from the field. It's by far his best playoffs for his career. He's 41% in the postseason, 38% from three. So, I mean, Eric Gordon, that guy, if, if I was voting for an MVP of the night, despite James Harden's two big shots in overtime, despite his 41 points, it was Eric Gordon on both ends of the floor. He was doing everything. When you have a victory like this in a game, pivotal game three, that uh, the Rockets had to win. Let's let's be honest about that. They're going to go down 3-0 and, and look their fans seriously in the face or the organization or the rest of the NBA. It's, hey, yeah, we're going to come back and win, win four straight. So they had to have that game. But you, you, the unsung here, the, yeah, like you said, that was the lead. That was the headline. That's what we should be concentrating on right now. It's getting lost in the shuffle that Eric Gordon was simply phenomenal. Had the uh, seven of fourteen from three, uh, you know, just just could hit big shots there when the Rockets needed them, and you know, like you said, played well on the defensive end. So I also wanted to ask you too, uh, you know, not only with Eric Gordon, but with two guys that we haven't mentioned yet that came in and were contributors because Daniel House did not play because of apparently a foot injury. Uh, Iman Schumpert, a guy you've been so critical of, uh, and also Austin Rivers, you know, was able to hit some clutch threes and play, as usual, really good defense. Prior to the game, I said on Twitter that uh, a key to the game was maybe not playing Iman Schumpert, but Daniel House has the injury, and Iman Schumpert stepped up. He stepped up from three. He didn't make his usual kind of weird boneheaded plays that I see him sometimes do. There, there wasn't the lapses on defense that I've seen from him, so absolutely Iman Shumpert stepped up, but the guy that's just been really fantastic for the Rockets off the bench, uh, Austin Rivers, continues to be uh, just really solid on the defensive end. Uh, He can test. He gets in your face. You know, if you're going to score on Austin Rivers, he's going to make it about as hard as possible. But Austin Rivers is shooting the basketball. He's scoring for you. He's making big shots. He's it's not just wide open ones. He's making shots with guys in his face. And if you look at uh, Austin Rivers in this series and, and how important was it that he didn't play in that game one, that he was sick. That's a such an underrated storyline that I think people might have missed or gets lost in the shuffle because it wasn't like the Rockets got crushed in game one. And who knows what Austin Rivers could have done for you on both ends of the floor, especially the way that he's played in these, these last couple of games. But, I mean, if you look at the stats in, in this series for Austin Rivers, he's shooting – from three. He's shooting 57% from the field. He's scoring 11 points in his two games, 26 minutes per game. Uh, I mean, RG, that guy has made himself the most valuable, I think, of the Rockets uh, going into the uh, offseason to sign because, you know, you you, you were thinking, well, how are they going to sign Kenneth Fareed and Daniel House and all these guys? But Austin Rivers, he looks like a playoff performer. And those are the guys that, if you're a Rockets fan, uh, you kind of want those guys to stick around. And and Austin Rivers also 
uh, to have him going into another season with Chris Paul getting another year older, another ball handler. If Chris Paul gets hurt, he's right there for you. Uh, Austin Rivers, just I can't say Wait, enough did about you just what he's say done. If, if Chris Paul gets hurt. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> That, that, that's my love of love fest for uh, Austin Rivers for this one, though. You agree? Look, I mean, what, exactly what you just said. I, I wanted to bring him up and, and, and kind of raise attention on that because he was, uh, again, again, an outstanding contributor for the Rockets. And like you said, uh, Daryl Morey, he, he, when he went out and signed him in the middle of the season to come in and help the Rockets, uh, Austin Rivers had choices, including Golden State, where he could have gone to. He picked the Rockets. And uh, it's been kind of an ideal situation for him. He's kind of had a, a, a rebirth, a renaissance of his career with the Rockets coming off the bench. Like you said, can be a ball handler, can step in for Chris Paul when he's not available or, uh, you know, as a sub off the bench. But what he really gives is, you know, that 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 hardworking, really strong defensive effort. The Rockets can count on that on a nightly basis. And, yeah, you he's been really good from three-point range in the playoffs. And like you said, playoff performers, they're going to get paid. We know that in baseball in October, and we know that in May and June with the NBA. If you, you turn it on then, you're going to get paid. Mentally tough. The, 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 those are the two words that come to mind with Austin Rivers, really. I mean, mentally tough. Absolutely. Uh, Clint Capella, not, not uh, really showing up. Uh, in the first couple of games of this series. The second game, a little bit better. This, by far, was the Clint Capella of old. Uh, you know, watching him in this game and, and knowing about this infection that he had in the previous series with Utah, this is the first time I felt like I saw the Clint Capella that, I, that I'm used to seeing. I still don't like what I see from him on the free throw line. But despite him looking much better in Game 3, including that awesome rejection on Andre Iguodala in the first half, the, the, actually the, the, the best rejection by a hair over the rejection by the rim uh, of Steph Curry's dunk late in the game. But uh, <laughs> he, That'll be on the blooper reel for a long time. As many highlights as Steph Curry will have in his career of hitting half-court shots and uh, you know, what he's able to do uh, you know, with his phenomenal play. I mean, it'll be that one, too, that'll definitely be there you know, throughout his career. Highlight blooper reel stuff. Yeah, despite all of Capella's efforts, I thought he still had the worst plus minus of any Rockets player uh, he was minus eight when the when he was the Rockets were minus eight when he was on the court. I think only Harden at a minus four was uh, at a negative for the Rockets players, and you know obviously Harden was is such a big deal and all the stuff that he does. But the Rockets in this series are a minus forty four with Clint Capella on the floor, and, and and I just will say this, RG. I mean, Clint Capella, you you can go well. Is he worth this money? And, you know, look at him in the playoffs. And number one, he had an infection in that first series against the Jazz. And the Jazz and the and the Warriors are the, maybe the two worst matchups in the playoffs for, for him. Right. I mean, I mean, you have that there with the... Uh, you know, the the Jazz with the Rudy Gobert, then you got a Draymond Green as a post presence. And I mean, even with Kevin Looney coming into the games for Golden State, it's a very athletic, uh, you know, big man. So it just it seems like with Clint Capella, we don't know how much he's had a problem with kind of 
you know, this respiratory or the virus, whatever the infection that he had, that's kind of uh, weighed him down. But I, you know, he still is very important to the Rockets and, and what he does and, and finishing when James Harden drives to the basket or being able to be a, a, a rim protector, as you mentioned with the block on Andre Iguodala. The one thing I want to bring up is a, is a, is a guy in Golden State and a guy that a team we need to be focusing on. You, you did mention him there. He did get his shot blocked by Clint Capella, but he's been really phenomenal. That's Andre Iguodala, Iggy. Uh, and there's something the Rockets are going to have to do about him because, I mean, when he's hitting his three-point shot, remember, he was not in those. But Golden State makes that point. Hey, yeah, okay, so you didn't have Chris Paul last year in the last three games of the series. We didn't have uh, Andre Iguodala. And, yes, Chris Paul, still, I you know, the better player overall career and everything. But this Andre Iguodala is an all-star. He was the guy that came in when uh, in the in the finals in Cleveland and basically carried, uh, you know, Golden State to the championship uh, was the MVP of the NBA, NBA Finals one year. And, I mean, this guy's – you saw it again. I mean, he makes clutch defensive plays, and he makes big baskets. And so the Rockets are going to need to keep not only on Kevin Durant, of course, not only on Clay and Steph, but Andre Iguodala. That's a key guy for me going into this game four. Yeah, not offensively. I'm terribly concerned about him, although, you know, he's the guy that you have to leave open. So if he does hit the threes, and he, and he hit a couple of threes in game three, but – if he does do that, it's it's frustrating. But he just does everything else so well. So you just kind of maybe – I mean, he's he gets lost in the shuffle, but he's, you know, because of, again, the big four on, on, on Golden State that you have there with – I was getting to his defense. Trust me, I was getting to his defense because, yeah, yeah that that that's where they missed him a little bit last year, maybe against – James Harden on the perimeter, you know, when you, when you're doing all the switches now, not only do you have Draymond that can get switched onto it's, it seems like it's it, this whole series, it's been either Draymond or Iguodala that always ends up on James. It's, it's not Steph Curry as much as you would like, uh, but the, you know, between him and Clay Thompson and, 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 and Draymond, it's, it, it's so difficult because I mean, there's not a good option there. I mean, for Kevin Durant's no slouch either. I mean, that guy has been an unbelievable defensively. So you got four guys that are just not only are they really strong defensively, just uh, from their you know tenacity and their athleticism, but their length and and that's what you know really hurts the Rockets in a series like this. It's not only that they've got a bunch of all stars on that team, not only that they've got mvps on that team but they've got so much length with every one of those guys they're not short guys the rockets you know guy you know their players are not as big i mean eric gordon is really good but you know he's got height disadvantage chris paul of course has got a big height disadvantage so you have those three with james harden and then pj tucker as physical as he is He's not tall either. I don't know. He's like probably six four with his shoes on or something like that. So that's the problem is not only are there other guys good, but they're so long. Yeah, I mean that's something the Rockets are going to have to address this offseason. They're going to have to get uh, you know more length. They're going to have to get you know better rebounding help with the team. That's one of the things that Daryl Morey is going to have to address. They're making the best of it in this postseason run, and can they still win a championship with the current construction of the roster? Yes, but that's something that they definitely are going to be targeting and focusing on this upcoming off season. I said the series was over uh, in the last show, uh, the post game for game two RG when Golden State went up 2-0. I, I just felt like the, the Rockets needed every break in this series. The, the breaks that they haven't got. I mentioned Austin Rivers, obviously the James Harden eye thing in game two where he misses a quarter. I mean, you have one MVP, you have one 
player that is the dominant player and you lose him for a whole quarter of that game and you lose that game by a few points. And yeah, I mean, the Rockets did a lot of other things, not well, but you got to have James Harden for, for the whole series and you got to have him for all the minutes that you can get out of him. Plus, you know, in game one, the officiating and, and I know the national media, Oh, that's the Rockets just complaining. That's all about the Rockets. Well, there's no doubt that there was tons of points, you know, 15 points or whatever. We talked about it in the postgame show for game one with Adam Spillane. But, I mean, they needed every break and to lose both of those games and now try to, you know, RG, can you win four out of five against maybe one of the best teams that's ever, you know, in NBA history? I mean, I don't think so. Wait, so you're already giving up? I mean, this was the the uh, Rockets. I mean, when they won championships with Akeem Olajuwon and they were down 2-0 or down 3-1. Uh, yes, I mean, it wasn't against uh, some of the greatest teams in history. If they had gone up against Michael Jordan's uh, Chicago Bulls and done that. But still, I mean, that's part of Houston. When a, when, it, when a team in Houston wins a championship, it's it's never easy. It's difficult. They've got to come back from 2-0, 3-1, uh, 3-2 with the Astros. You know, I mean, so you have these difficulties uh, that happen on your way to winning a championship. So, well, if uh, you trade out Dan Marley for Kevin Durant, yes, the Rockets yeah. could come back from a, yeah. from a 2-0 deficit. Yeah, but I mean, you just don't the thing is winning, why winning game 3 is like, look, Golden State was supposed to win their first two home games. I mean, the Rockets could have stolen one, but they were protecting their home court. The Rockets have to protect their home court right now. You know you need to win one game in Golden State and you win your three home games, and then you win the series. However way you do that. Can you win four or five against Golden State? Yes. I mean, it's possible. They aren't as as much as they – look, I still think they're the favorite for the championship. I picked them in seven when the series started. So, I mean, I'm expecting Golden State to win, but there's – and I, I'm rooting for the Rockets to win, obviously. Uh, you know, I mean, I, I want to see that. I'm just looking objectively, pick-wise. But the way that the Rockets can win is, you know, they have to take – first, they have to take care of business at home. They have to go 2-2, then it's a best-of-three series. That's the way that you look at it. Both teams got their home with best-of-three series. Can you win a best-of-three series against Golden State? Sure. I mean, that's possible. So, uh, you know, they just have to – they're going to have to win one game in Golden State. That's the way that they take it. But first – before you can even think about that, you have to win a game four. That's why this game four is so crucial. Rockets can't be thinking ahead of like, oh, how we got to win this many. You take it one game. It's, I know it's a cliche. I know it's the absolute worst thing to say. And when people, uh, you know, athletes utter that you, you want to turn your head and say, oh, my gosh, do uh, a roll your eye meme, right? Or gif, excuse me. Uh, you know, I mean, it's just uh, it's, you know, take it one game at a time. But it really is the case in the playoffs here and for the Rockets. But. You know, and the other thing I want to mention to uh, getting off of a little bit tangent here, but uh, with the Rockets, every time that you extend a series a game, I mean, I know there's potential for injury on the Rockets, but there's also potential for injury with Golden State. And we've seen they've had to play their starters a lot of minutes over the, the postseason. They've had a lot of deep postseason runs. So the longer that you can, the more you can elongate this series. I mean, for, you know, I, I still think that that could be something with Golden State. We've seen. You know, they've already had with Stan, Steph Curry and uh, you, that Clay Thompson's had the ankle issue, too. I mean, so, you know, the longer that you can go in a series, that might be advantage Rockets. So because the Rockets definitely have, I think, uh, the deeper bench in this series that you know, even though they still go with, you know, the Rockets main five a lot of the time. But like we were talking about Austin Rivers, even when Daniel House is healthy, Iman Schumpert, all these guys, Nene, they uh, all these guys get a lot of minutes off the bench. So. You know, again, that's something that's a little bit different from Mike D'Antoni teams in the past. 
Yeah, you mentioned Nene. It's a good thing you brought him up. Uh, it's worth noting that Nene, when he was on the floor in this game, was a plus nine in, in, in 10 minutes or something like that. I mean, it was, it was either plus nine in 10 minutes or I'm trying to remember. But, uh, but yeah, he, he played really well in the short amount of time that he was out there. And he wasn't a detriment to the Rockets defensively like he, I, I thought he was a, a couple of times in the first couple of games that they played. But, yeah, Nene, uh, the old man delivered for you. Yeah, plus 10 and nine minutes double-checked on that. So, yeah, that's, that's good stuff. Gerald Green didn't play much, uh, just seven minutes. It will be interesting to see if, if uh, Daniel House gets uh, sort of left in the dust with the injury. He might be out of this rotation at this point because, you know, you want Austin Rivers, I think, out there as, as much as you possibly can have him out there. And Amon Shepard has, has made a, a nice little uh, – carved a nice little thing with, with, with this one game. Of course, if he could come out there and not be hitting shots and be making mistakes defensively, and then, then you might go back to Daniel House, but who knows. Uh, RG, last thing I wanted to throw at you. Um, you know, we haven't had a chance to talk in a, in a good while about the Astros. Uh, do you have any thoughts on the Astros and, you know, what's been going on? We, we saw them getting beat three out of four against Minnesota. They're, they're, they're kind of struggling – on the road this year so far any any thoughts on on what you've seen from well them? then they go to mexico and they pound out 14 runs so maybe they just needed to go south of the border yeah we're recording this sunday morning so the first game in mexico it was a run fast i mean you know i i i always go back to pitching and i guess the the big concern rg with this team is you know we were worried going into the year that three four five spot you know no lance mccullers uh no uh charlie morton um you know, no Dallas Keuchel. Now, Wade Miley has looked really solid so far. He's given you basically Dallas Keuchel-type work. But Brad Peacock and Colin McHugh, not as much. You know, McHugh with a 497 ERA, Peacock with a 528 ERA. McHugh hasn't pitched bad. I don't think he's had a couple of really bad outings. His batting average against, which I kind of like to look at. I always like to look at that number is 209. Uh, Peacock, I'm a little bit more concerned about at this point. RG and and you know if you look at the minor league guys the Forrest Whitleys and the Bukowskis they've struggled a little bit but Corbin Martin's looking really good in AAA right now he might have himself you know he might be positioned quite well him and Brady Rogers might be positioned well, I, pretty well I still think Forrest I don't look at I mean I know that he's had these numbers where like a 70 RA in his first few outings in AAA he's going to be up at some point this season Forrest Whitley is he's the Astros top prospect in the season uh, in the system and then you uh, also look at uh, yeah Corbin Martin like you said he's another guy but getting back to the rotation to me that uh, look Brad Peacock hasn't been effective there got like you said uh, knocked around by the Minnesota Twins and that series of Astros lost three or four over there uh, and then you know Colin McHugh like you said he's pitched well but you know by and large and he's had a couple of bad outings so that's kind of inflated his ERA but yeah you're right the, the pitching staff was historic last year we discussed this on the last podcast I mean they were as far as American League pitching staffs goes, this was, you know, you had seen those kind of numbers, those kind of record-setting numbers with Justin Verlander, Garrett Cole, Lance McCullers, Dallas Keuchel, and Charlie Morton since the 1970 Baltimore Orioles, which are kind of the gold standard of, you know, pitching staffs in, in you know, the, the American League. So, uh, you know, you really have to look at, like, last season is an aberration just because it was so historic. So getting back with that being said, uh, you know, losing Lance McCullers and uh, not having, you know, the other two pitchers, Dallas Keuchel and Charlie Morton, 
one's still unsigned in free agency for the Tampa Bay Rays. You have to look at like what the Astros have currently right now. Can they improve? Like we said, they have the minor league options. Uh, that'll happen some point this season. And then also look for the Astros to, to go out and see what starters are available via trade by the July 31st deadline. But another thing, too, before just getting back to uh, – your, your points on the Astros is, is they, you know, have had a really tough early schedule, in my opinion. Kind of, again, mentioned this the last podcast. I mean, they played in the American League. They played the Yankees and the Rays, who are leading in, in that, in the AL East. It, they have Boston coming up, too, here. Uh, but they've also had to play the, the Twins and the Indians, who are the, the best teams in the AL Central. And then even in the um, AL West, they've had to play the Seattle Mariners. And, uh, you know, they did play the Rangers who aren't expected to be good, but the Rangers have gotten off to a better start than anticipated. And then, you know, Oakland, who was a playoff team last year. So a lot of these games that the, they're finally going to start playing the Angels and they have the Royals coming up here who are a bad baseball team. And then they have like Detroit. So, I mean, they have some in their in their home games. So they've had predominantly road games, too. Your record on the roads usually if you're a good team, it's around 500. So, I mean, the Astros are still at a major deficit with, with home games. They're going to finally, after getting back from Mexico, have a you know pretty big homestand. Then they'll go out on the road again and have another big homestand. So it'll be a chance to make up games. So am I still bullish on the Astros because of their lineup, because of their you know top two starters in Justin Verlander and Garrett Cole, the fact that they have a really strong back in the bullpen with Ryan Presley, you know Will Harris and Roberto Osuna, and and the fact that Jeff Luno has a strong farm system so he can go out and acquire players to you know this team is a championship contender. You know I, I look at them as one of the best teams in baseball, and so they're going to be hiccups. There are going to be times you lose three or four, four or five, even in a championship season. Baseball is a marathon, 162 games. The big thing in hitting is just there's two things. The only two things that I'm watching right now, runners in scoring position, uh, they've just been off to like terrible, terrible start uh, the first uh, part of this season. Uh, it's, it's, it's inexplicable because they've got an order full of guys that, that hit with runners in scoring position. The only other thing is, you know, I mean, you, just, you do not expect to see Altuve and Gurriel hitting around in the 240s and, you know, 250 or whatever. I mean, that 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 you hope is just an aberration and they can kind of get things going again. I mean, it's just like Altuve. I just, I almost feel like it's a mirage or something when I look at his numbers, but uh, Yuli, Yuli has those streaks and he could go on a streak where he could hit like 400 for a month. So we know that from Yuli. Right. And then when you get back to Altuve, just like three weeks ago when he was on that, when the Astros were winning 10 games in a row and he was hitting home run night after night, I think it was five consecutive games. He was already being talked about as an MVP. Then a few weeks later, he's hitting, you know, around uh, 240, 250. And it's like, what's wrong with Altuve? Is is he, you know, what is he going to ever be able to hit 300 again? I mean, it's just the, it's the pain. It's like watching the stock market. It's like, you know, people get all, oh my gosh, it's like a, you know, a, 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 yeah, a bull market here. Uh, but, you know. but to be fair, when was the last time you saw Jose Altuve hitting 240 ever? Like, was a lot that you got to go back like seasons ago before? Of course, you- yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> you you got to go back to yeah, like when uh, you know, yeah, 2011, right? Uh, when uh, you know, gosh, the, the, the when Iron Man was pretty much like, uh, and Thor were pretty much the only movies known in the uh, Marvel universe. Yeah, that was that. It's that long ago. So, uh, yeah, Altuve, um, you know, is is. I, I still think. I mean, he'll come around. I mean, he's too good a hitter. He's, 
you know, professional hitter, all the 200 hit seasons, the 300 plus seasons. I mean, if this is a problem by the all-star break where he's hitting 240 or 250, yes, then I'll be panicking right now. Like I said, you know, to go through a month to have a, you know, four or five weeks where you hit this. And then if he hits, you know, 330 and 340 over the next two months and gets his average back up to 300, that's what I expect out of Jose Altuve. But if we're talking about this in August where he's a 240, 250 hitter, yeah, then it's very worrisome. Anyway, the Astros, uh, another big week for them. Hopefully they can they, they can get it rolling again like they were in that streak earlier in the season. Uh, sort of start hitting up uh, some of these slappy teams that RG said are coming up on the schedule here and, get that going but the the rockets uh will be back definitely for uh the post game for game four you know hopefully they can even up the series but the rockets in in overtime it's it was it was a tough one but they they managed to to get this one and uh but if, if they could if they play like this again I, I think they're gonna be tough to beat in the next game but we'll see we'll see if you're a rockets fan you're going out to the game make some noise i want to hear people i want to hear people like I, I hear them in golden state uh, or Utah, or Portland, or OKC. Let's get this crowd uh, loud and out there and making a making a difference in the game. But anyway, we'll talk to you again really soon. You're listening to Houston Sports Talk. Don't forget to follow Houston Sports Talk on Facebook and Twitter. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Spotify, the Google Podcast app, or the Stitcher app. You can support us by giving us a five-star review on iTunes or by telling your friends about us Spread the word, everybody. Thanks for listening. Hunt.